Hello and welcome back to another edition of Talking Troy. I'm Nathan Ackerman, an associate managing editor with an emphasis on sports here at the Daily Trojan. We are recording today on Tuesday, December 8th, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts David Ramirez and Taylor Mills. David and Taylor, how are you doing today? And David, more importantly, how is your dog today? Um, I'm feeling I'm feeling great. I'm feeling well rested. Um, my dog's feeling great. Um, he's getting a lot of what usually when I'm not home, my family doesn't take him for walks. I've been taking him for a ton of walks. So he's getting in shape. He's getting that summer bod ready. I'm very happy for him. Dude, I'm happy as well. It's rival week. It's crazy to think that it's like happening on December 12th and like no one's going to be able to really like do anything, but like the energy still stands. And I'm pretty excited that this is the way that we're capping off what could be an undefeated season. Facts. It is certainly an exciting week. Rivalry week, as you said, um, that is this upcoming weekend. But last weekend, USC played a football game. The football game was against Washington State. USC scored more points in the football game than Washington State. What are your thoughts on said football game? I mean, it's really about just said first quarter of a football game, um, <laughs> which was historic and just a phenomenal comeback for the Trojans who came off of a bye week. Um, it was obviously like really incredibly entertaining from the press box to be able to witness that, especially on Monroe St. Brown and also just Keaton Slovis and everyone saying like, he's back, you know, like where, where has this been? Um, but yeah, like overall, like just a really great outing. And I think that having this decisive win over an opponent who is just completely below our level of play or like is supposed to be below our level of play, um, it's a good sign. And I think it's, you know, the energy that the Trojans need to be taking it to the next game against UCLA. And I don't know about viewers or listeners, um, but from the press box, you could literally hear the sideline um, from USC. It is like the one energy source in all of these stadiums. And I really just hope that they're continuing that trend. Um, and it's also just like really great to see that like throughout a pandemic that a team is able to have fun on like that, playing a game that they weren't even guaranteed to have. So, I mean, yeah, like, Want to know on the week, as Clay Helton said, and we're, I'm just hoping that this offense is going to continue next week. Um, yeah, I think there was a lot of encouraging signs. Um, I think as I mean, for those who don't know, I grew up in Los Angeles, so I've been watching USC my whole life. And this game kind of took me back. It reminded me of the old USC. Half of the fun of what watching US, USC used to be would be when they're playing out of conference opponents or lower tier conference opponents. They kill the game off in the first two quarters and the second half you get to watch. Who's up next? Who are these prized recruits that are lower on the depth chart? Like, what's 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 next for USC? And I feel like under Clay Helton, we haven't really seen that very much. Um, even when they have those comfortable wins, they don't really extend the lead till late in the fourth quarter, and there's not many opportunities for younger players to get playing time. So I thought that was really important, really encouraging. Yeah, I thought I was. It was an encouraging sign for sure. I think, Taylor, you kind of touched on this for a bit there, is that they finally didn't play down to their opponent in this game, which is something that, like, never happens. Like, they always do that. I would have liked to see them put together a more complete football game. Uh, we were, you know, once again plagued by the can't score in the third quarter bug yet again. Uh, still through through four games, USC has yet to score a touchdown in the third quarter. Um, but I'm not like worried about it too much because at that point it was pretty much backups. Even Keaton Slovis was out because he said he like landed awkwardly on his funny bone or something like that. So I don't know. I wasn't too concerned about that. Um, but I think the main storyline from that game is Keaton Slovis. I mean, that first half was like one of the best halves of college football I've ever seen in my in my entire life. I mean, he looked so good. I thought that performance that we saw last last night or 
two nights ago, I guess at this point was the best we've seen Keaton Slovis in his college career. I mean, he, the, the first pass of, of the, of the game was an incomplete pass. And then every pass from there on out to close the first half was complete. He finished on, I think a 17 pass completion streak. He threw through, wow, English. He threw for 209 yards and five touchdowns, 17 of 18 overall in the, in the first half, which was just dominant. And there were so many questions about, you know, is Keaton Slovis, you know, actually that, that good? Was he overhyped coming into this year? And through the first four game, three games, it was like, you know, he was fine, but he was kind of shaky at, at points. And I think this put a lot of that that talk to rest. And I thought that that was a great sign moving, moving, moving forward. I thought Amon Ross St. Brown was also awesome to see. He, through the first three games, he hadn't really been a huge factor in this offense uh, for whatever, whatever reason. I mean, he was probably still the number one target, but it, he wasn't really dominating like we thought we might see this, this year. And then four touchdowns in the first quarter was obviously un, unreal. I think he like tied a Pac-12 record for most touchdowns in a game, and he did that in the first quarter alone. Um, so that's obviously, you know, ridiculous. Um, the defense looked great also. Um, I, it was just an all-around awesome football game, I thought. Um, yeah, like, number one. So Amon Ross St. Brown actually tied the NCAA record um, for most touchdowns in a quarter, um, which was crazy to think about. But then also, like, I mean – this is what, I mean, Clay Helen's been talking to the press about having an offense that's running on all four cylinders. And I guess this is what he was referring to. But, you know, I think your you know, concern about it only being in the first half is still very valid. Um, yeah, like they did fizzle out very quickly as, you know, Washington State uh, adjusted over that break. Um, so I think they're definitely still have, there's still some kinks to figure out, especially in the run game. Um, when looking at the stat sheet, it's 287 yards, like complete on the offensive side, but then there's only like, I had to like double check to see it wasn't a typo. They're only five yards running. And so you're like, um, like what happened there? But when you look again, it's because of the fumbles, because of large yards lost. So maybe not, you know, incredibly as everyone was hyping it up to be post game. But, um, yeah, I mean, like if this is still the beginning. I don't think that this is what Helton said it was supposed to be, which is like, you know, full offensive potential. Um, but it's still like a really great sign. And also too, like on the defensive side, like we just have to shut like shout out Talano Hufunga. Like, I don't know if he's a defensive back. I don't know what he's if he's a linebacker, but I just kinda like like where he is. So if we could I mean we could just keep him there. Like I really enjoyed what I saw. Um, and honestly he's gonna be a really important key for this team going forward against UCLA. I want to I want to add a quick note about the run game. And normally I trip about the run game pretty much every week. Uh, this week I did kind of, but like not quite as quite as much because um, obviously I want to see USC run the ball more. But it's not as imperative to me when Keaton Slovis is playing like that, and when Amon Ross St. Brown is playing like that, and when Drake London is playing like that. Um, it it was it was one of those games where the passing game was working so well. In part because Washington State was playing a man defense pretty much the whole night, which. I can't begin to explain why they thought that was a smart idea. Um, USC's wide receivers will match up pretty much well with any DB in the Pac-12 in man coverage. So I don't think we should expect to see a lot of that moving moving forward. But if they were going to do that, and if Keaton was playing as well as he was playing, and if Amon Ra and all those guys were playing as well as they were playing, I'm fine with them not running the ball very much. Of course, when they did run the ball, I wanted to see more yards per carry. I don't have the exact figure, but given that they ran the ball like at least 10 times and they had five yards. That's a small number. I'm not a big math guy, but that's a small number. So again, that's one of the things that 
they're going to need to fix moving moving forward. Um, but this week, I'm not too hung up on it as I am in a regular week. Yeah, um, just a couple points, I guess. Um, I hate to be the downer, but yeah, I would say, um, just objectively speaking, US, or Washington State's defensive backs are not on the level of USC's best receivers. Um, combine that with the fact that they were missing a few starters in the secondary. Combine that with the fact that they were playing man uh, stubbornly throughout the yeah, like when, when it wasn't working. Um, so I wouldn't take too much into USC's dominance, especially in the first half. And then with the running game, yeah, I mean, we can say the pass game was working really well, which it was in the first half. But, I mean, when in terms of game flow, when you go into the second half up four touchdowns, you'd think you'd be able to kill the game off, kill the clock, run the ball in the second half, which they didn't do. They ran the ball 20 times for five yards. So regardless of how like well you pass the ball or what the score was, running the ball 20 times for five yards is not sustainable. So um, I think it is a point of concern. But, yeah, I mean, they, they were up 28 nothing after the first quarter, so you can't really – um, blame them too much. And then, yeah, the point I wanted to make about the secondary, it's just, I've been really impressed. It's pretty much the same same personnel. Isaac Taylor-Stewart, um, Chris Steele, Talanoa Hufunga, Elijah Griffin, these guys all got major playing time last season, and it's pretty much the same group out there this year, and they've looked dramatically improved. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to, hats off to them, hats, hats off to Dante Williams, hats off to Craig, Craig Navarre, is he the safeties coach? Yeah, um, just all around really impressed with their performance. OG got his pick. Elijah Griffin, first career interception. You can tell he, he's, he's been talking about that openly for like two years, as long as he's been here. He's a junior now, and he's been – he said this like pretty much every game in which he's had like a chance at getting a pick. He's like, God, I want that first pick, and he finally got it. That was awesome to see. Um, and then I think the energy overall on that play, but in the rest of the game, uh, Taylor, you, you, you mentioned this too. It was like you could hear the noise from the benches, and it was – pretty much all from the Trojan side, right? And it wasn't just when they were up 28-0. It wasn't just when they were up 21-0, 14-0. It was from the opening kick. Like, this team was having a party. This team was having so much fun. And, you know, aside from the fact that it's obviously going to help them win games and it's just fun to see, it's it's great to see them having as much fun as they were. Because I, I think that's, that's a thing that is – easy to lose sight of this year with like how trash everything is and how trash this season is um, just as a whole with everything that's that's happened and so I don't know to see them missing two weeks not having played last weekend missing a bunch of practices and then having as much fun and you know enjoying it as much as they were I I was I was happy to see that all right well let's get into some hoops um, I have an apology to make because the last podcast we did, I titled it a combined seven and O, and we were talking about how the women's and men's basketball teams at that point were a combined four and O. The men's team was three and O. The women's team was one and O. Since that podcast got released, since I put that title up there, the USC women's and men's basketball team have combined to go O and three. And I want to ask you two: Is this my fault? I mean, like. If you're superstitious, like, I guess, like, you can take the blame. I bet the teams would gladly give it to you. Um, okay, so let's start with the women's basketball team. Um, they had a really rough, like, road match. And, um, you know, the Arizonas are never easy in basketball. Um, but, you know what, there is some, like, kudos to be given in the fact that they held their own for, like, at least three quarters um, through the game, and then they always seem to fold in the fourth, late in the fourth, and can never actually finish. Um, you know, it usually, I remember last year, would end up being these two, three 
point games and it would always be so disappointing but they would always say like oh this is a great sign for the future but then in the future they would do the same thing again um, so obviously the problem of not being able to finish is still persistent for this team um, and another thing too is like their uh, lineup is pretty depleted right now with the absence of sophomore forward Alyssa Peely um, who is out with an injury but is still unclear as to like how long she will be out or what the extent of that injury is um, so right now they're actually like you know kind of depending on sophomore guard India Rogers to carry this team as well as um, sophomore forward Angel Jackson and honestly like Angel Jackson just isn't as strong in the paint and it can just be seen in these two games like they really only got half of the shots in the paint um, which really isn't acceptable you really want to go for a higher percentage in there because those are just like shots that you just need to be taking and getting um, and you know overall like they just were outplayed by a number six Arizona team that was just incredible um, and also, I mean, Arizona State, it could have been a really great W for that team and it could have actually propelled them to do better. Um, however, you know, like I didn't tune into all of it, so I can't really tell you what went wrong there. But um, that's a really tough blow for this team that's going to go up against a really tough slate this week with Stanford and then UCLA. Yeah, uh, definitely a tough week ahead. Um, I'm a little frustrated with the team as well because I think they're playing really well. Um, there's definite improvement from last year, this year. They took Arizona, Arizona State down to the wire and... Endia Rogers, I remember I wrote a feature about her last last semester and the people I talked to, they were very high on her saying, just give her a year or two. She'll really, really have USC contending. And I was like, OK, like they're just saying that about her because they have a personal connection with her or whatever. But it's very clear she's made a leap. She runs that offense. She's very comfortable picking up 15 points, seven rebounds and seven assists every night. The offense runs through her. And it's just a shame because when you look at that offense, yeah, Angel Jackson's playing well. Amaya Oliver's playing well. But it's so clear they just need a big someone in the paint that can space the floor someone that can rebound someone like oh perhaps Alyssa Peely which it, it's just very frustrating because I think if they did have Alyssa Peely they they could have easily won either of those games when you're missing your leading scorer reigning Pac-12 freshman of the year you know that's a big deal and they're still really competitive so I think if they're able to get Peely back they can make some noise I just hope it's not too late yeah that was something that I, I don't think anybody knew about coming into the year like it was you know, everybody was, was was excited to see her play. And then all of a sudden it's like they've played two games and it's like, where's Alyssa Peely? Um, and they, they've – Coach Mark Track has talked a lot about how the Trojans are going to try to utilize that, you know, three forward rotation kind of thing with Angel Jackson, Amaya Oliver, and uh, Alyssa Peely. And obviously when you have the best of those three, the best player on the team, arguably the best player in the Pac-12 – out it's um going to make things a lot more complicated so I think and this is a team that lost to number six Arizona by one point without Peely and there's a very valid case I I also wasn't able to tune into that game I think um I think they were playing like just a couple hours before the football game so I was like you know getting ready for the game walking to the Coliseum whatever um and there's, there's a valid case to be made that if they had Peely, they win that game. And then, you know, you just beat the number six team in the country. And then, you know, it's only up from there. Like, that that, that would have been a huge boost for this team moving forward. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what they do against UCLA and Stanford, number 11 and number one, respectively. Um, I think, obviously, coming out with one, of, one win in those two games would be uh, a major positive sign for this team. If they get Peely back, I don't know what the what the timetable even looks like. If they get Peely back, I'm sure they're going to be able to put up a fight in either of those two games. And as we saw against Arizona, even if they don't, you know, they might give those teams a run, a run for their money. 
All right, well, let's get into the men's side now. Uh, the men's basketball team didn't quite have as tough a week, but that's only because they played one game and they lost it. They lost to UConn by a final score of 61-58. to 58. Uh, Evan Mobley was the story yet again, led the team in rebounds with seven and points with 17. Um, <clears throat> I talk about this all year. It can't just be Evan Mobley, right? You look at the best teams in the country, um, the, the, the Baylors, the Gonzagas, the Dukes, whatever, the Illinois, uh, shout out to my dad's and dad's side of the family alma mater, but point is you need an entire roster that's contributing. Um, USC was getting that the first few games and looking at the stat sheet and watching the game against UConn, it wasn't quite as much that way. It was pretty much the Evan Mobley show and you need that entire roster to bring out the best in everybody else. Yeah, um, of all the th- like teams to lose to, like UConn was just pretty disappointing. And I think, yeah, like, again, Mobley's phenomenal, great. Like, kudos to you guys. But Andy Enfield, like, you just got to know how to coach these guys to play as a team. Um, I'm just really not seeing that energy, that passion, like, that aggression from Enfield that I think is necessary for a team to be propelled to be great. Um, and overall, like, I'm just seeing, like, an incredible lack of motivation and, like, um, Drew Peterson, like, really didn't carry his weight this time around. I mean, like, he went, like, only got five defensive rebounds. Like, we really did not do well on offensive rebounding. And so that might have been the reason as to why, like, uh, UConn was able to score, you know, like, 61 on us. Um, but, yeah, like, overall, I mean, that's going to be the theme of this team until they figure it out. Is just, like, learning how to play with the Mobleys and not just depend on them. Um, and I think until they figure out that chemistry, um, then this team is really just destined for a mediocre season that is just going to have some really great Mobley highlights. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, this, this can be another season with a, a top recruit and some nice highlights, but not much to show for it. And that's kind of frustrating. Uh, again, I want to defer to you guys here because I haven't seen too much of the, the, the team, I'll be honest. But from what I understand or from what I've seen with USC basketball teams in the past is it, it comes in spurts. There's like two, two, three minutes down the stretch where the ball's moving well on the offensive end. Everyone's crashing the glass on defense. Everyone's switching, closing out shooters. And you're like, wow, like this is what it's supposed to look like. And then it all falls apart and then the ball stays stagnant. And then there's ISO ball and then people are missing defensive assignments. And then it all, it, it, it's what's been reminiscent of Andy Enfield's tenure as head coach that has so frustrated. So I'm just asking you guys question slash comment. Like, what do you think? can be done to get this sustained over an entire game. And if a whole game, if they play well for a whole game, how can they do it for two games in a row? Like, how does this, how is this still an issue? And it, like, well, another thing too for me is like, it's a pretty young team. Um, they don't have a lot of like solid senior, um, you know, experience that is actually like a team leader, not just, you know, another stock player. Um, so that might also contribute to it you know, experience, and we still are incredibly young and early into the season. Um, but honestly, like, we have a talented roster. It's good basketball. When you see their shot selection, like, it's not bad. Um, and the ball movement, you know, is pretty okay. But, like, it's just a matter of, like, cohesiveness and play, in my opinion. And so um, I, I honestly, like, it, just in conclusion, it's on infield. And I think the, the squad just needs some better leadership um, and some better game plans. This team is way too similar to the football team, and I don't want to make everything about the football team, but uh, I this is how I, 
I reacted after the first game when they won in overtime against Cal, Cal Baptist. I was like, this is basically the football team. They play down to their opponents, have to rely on an incredible comeback late. Um, but a, a, another thing that I sort of noticed recently is the third quarter struggles. And I know they play halves in college basketball, but like those first 10 minutes of the second half, I think USC at some point in there against the Huskies was down by like 10, 12 points. Um, and that's just the kind of thing that like, it it can't happen. You can't you can't go down that big in the third quarter and expect to come back every single game. That's what they've been pretty much doing early on this year. And you know you 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 have to wonder how much of that is an indictment on the coaching staff specifically, right? Your your job going into halftime is you know you make the necessary adjustments to come out of the gate playing better, more energized, whatever. And I know the other teams also doing the same, but you know at some point. Um, it, it it can't be a common theme the way that it's been. And, you know, if, if this team's going to keep on digging itself holes early on in the second half, it's, it's not sustainable. And again, that, that comes down to the entire roster. It's not just, okay, the halftime game plan is like, get Evan Mobley the ball, get him in one-on-ones down in the paint and have him score because he can do that against pretty much anybody, but you can't have that be the only thing you do all game because soon he's getting triple team down there and it's just not going to work. Uh, despite the fact that he's like, you know, seven foot 92. So again, they need contributions from up and down the roster. Drew Peterson had an off game against UConn. Uh, I think he'll be fine. He only scored nine points. He th- Actually, Mobley was the only Trojan to score in double figures against uh, the Huskies, which again, need, need, need I say it again, they need more guys to, you know, carry some of the burden there. So that's definitely something that we're going to be have to be seeing moving forward. The Trojans upcoming slate is not like that crazy. They play UC Irvine and then Stanford, who's actually Stanford's going to be very good. But then they play San Francisco, Oregon State and Texas Southern before before getting into a more like ex- exclusively Pac-12 uh, schedule. But although San Francisco beat Virginia like a couple weeks ago, so that was probably a fluke, something like that, whatever. But Again, these are the games where the Trojans are going to have to figure out what they're going to be. And if they're going to be a team that's Evan Mobley and then a bunch of, you know, supplemental role players that can score like seven, eight points here here and there, their ceiling is only so high for this team. But if they're going to be a team where, again, Mobley can share the the majority or the plurality of the offensive load, um, like I'm fine with that. Go to your best player. But if he's off... If he's not not working, if he's getting double, triple teamed, you need to have other guys there to supplement him. And if they can't have that, they're, they're not going to be a good basketball team. As we talked about earlier, it is rivalry week. Uh, USC is playing UCLA. Uh, predictions? Uh, USC wins and we play on New Year's Eve day, period. That's what I'm predicting. Um, I can't I can't give a bowl projection, but I'll say UCLA's actually been playing pretty well. Um, DTR's been playing pretty well. I think they have a winning record for the first time under Chip Kelly. So um, I wouldn't take them lightly. I'm going to say USC wins 42 to 35. Um, I don't know about the bowl. Or... Yeah, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Um, I... <laughs> I I told you guys to make a prediction, but I like I don't know what I think is going to happen. I think look, I think UCLA might win this game. Like I'm I'm no more than like 55% confident that the Trojans are going to pull this one out and I don't even know if I'm that confident. So, um the 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 thing that really scares me is Dorian Thompson Robinson. We've talked about it all season. 
I feel like we've talked about it all season for the last like three years. Mobile quarterbacks are just USC's kryptonite. And Dorian Thompson Robinson is up there with the best of the mobile quarterbacks. Uh, Demetric Felton is an absolute stud on the ground. And if the Trojans are going to allow 6.5 yards per carry to Dion McIntosh from Washington State, um, when the passing game was not working at all for the Cougars, uh, imagine what they can do against a more competent passing game with a better uh, running back. So, But again, we saw what Keaton can, can do. We saw that he can carry this offense. And UCLA's defense is playing okay. So it's going to be a tough one. Like I know UCLA has two losses on the year and USC has, has none, but... Those, those two losses were like close games to Colorado, who's undefeated right now, and they lost to Oregon by three, who apparently Oregon sucks, but like at the time they were they were pretty good, or so we thought. So I don't know. It'll be a close game. I'll give you a more solid prediction later this, this week, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want to place any bets right now just because, you know, and then, then you add in the rivalry aspect of it, and it's like anything can, can really happen. We saw in 2018 when... The Trojans were clearly the better team, and they just didn't have it going for them. UCLA pulled that one out. And then we saw last year when the Trojans were, again, the the, the superior team. Uh, both offenses played amazing. Trojans pulled that one out by, I think, like multiple possessions. It was a pretty lopsided game for USC. So I don't know what's going to happen. It'll be a great game. I think USC is going to go to the Pac-12 championship either way because I think, you know, we might beat UCLA even if we lose. I don't see us losing and Colorado beating Utah, which is what would have to happen for the Trojans to miss out on the Pac-12 championship game party. But, of course, those are questions that we're going to have to wait to see and will be answered this weekend. For now, that's going to do it for this edition of Talking Troy. Thank you so much to everybody for tuning in. We will be back coming at you next week with analysis of USC versus UCLA and, of course, more women's and men's basketball as well. Until then, as I always say, please stay safe, wear a mask, be smart. Um, Make sure to check out all of our other amazing fire content over at the DT and DT Sports as well. And we'll talk to you next time.